0: Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff, the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the Metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing Metaverse topics and news of the week. We look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this exciting industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe on the podcast, share it with your friends, send it to your colleagues. Uh, and leave a ra- rating and review. Tell us how much you love the podcast. It helps others to find the podcast. We really appreciate it. Jeff, how you doing this week? I know this has been crazy. We've both been all over the place.
1: Crazy, crazy, busy,
0: uh,
1: busy week. We're recording uh, at a little bit of a later date than we normally do. Uh, we were both traveling last week. I was uh, I was in France actually uh, meeting my, my new company. So I spent a week in France. Awesome. Uh, I was kind of the only the second time I've been been to France and first time in like a decade. So I was pretty impressed, actually. And I know you were in the Bahamas, which was as people can better. tell.
0: If you're watching this, I am wearing some very, very obnoxious glasses handed out by Solana. I was at Crypto Bahamas, so huge. Uh, I mean, ridiculous uh, crypto and metaverse and Web3 conference. Uh, They were very gracious. They invited me to speak on a panel about gaming and Web3. uh, And the collision of those two things was a lot of fun. I will say, Jeff, that there's like, there's this world. It feels like a different world, the whole crypto world, right? Like gaming, metaverse, these are things that are familiar to us, you know, especially coming from gaming. But the whole crypto world, I mean, there is the amount of money, the amount of, people the amount of interest the amount of excitement i mean it was it was unbelievable i mean it was only 1500 people there i think but it felt like one hundred and fifty thousand.
1: that's uh that's wild i definitely want to ask you some questions and get some of your takeaways maybe but before that did you get any other cool swag besides the (laughs) the glasses
0: you would think right Uh, it was like all like keychains and knickknacks unfortunately um I just no felt, they looked, I, I felt they like looked. So I felt they looked metaversy, so I wore them. There you go. Um, <laughs> but no, no, no better swag than that. Unfortunately, we should have we should have done something around meta business and handing out swag. I think, but uh, missed opportunity. And no, there were just incredible people. Like you know, Bill Clinton was there, and obviously you had uh, Sam Bankman fried the CEO of FTX, who were the big sponsors. Um, the you know. Mooch. The, The mooch uh, because it was the Salt Conference, right? So he was there. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady.
1: You really led with you led with Bill Clinton. There was other ones. You know, you could have. There was other ones you could have (laughs) led.
0: I will say Tom Brady probably one of the better, if not the best speaker I saw there, actually, and not because his crypto, the depth of his crypto knowledge or anything like that. But I think conferences make this mistake all the time where they invite the most knowledgeable people and not necessarily the best speakers, right? And Brady had a way that, and it was rehearsed clearly, right? Like he's obviously done this multiple times and practiced it, but like a way of drawing you into the story, inspiring you, you know, it's a little bit of rah, rah, I guess that's the quarterback's job, but, um, amazing sort of how he tells stories and, and ties it to business and tied it to crypto and did, I thought a tremendously good job. So
1: I guess not to put you on the spot because we, we didn't rehearse this before, but any big, any big takeaways or anything related to gaming, and then yes. they know you had a panel. Yes. What, what,
0: tell, tell us about that. So first of all, let me just start with maybe some, an anecdote that is going to lead into my takeaway. But well, when I first got there, my business partner, Greg, said, Oh, you better download Telegram. Well, you got to get Telegram because everyone's on Telegram. I'm like, Telegram? I'm like, why would I use that? Like, we're already on Discord. Like, We use Discord for everything, for work, for games, for everything. And I download Telegram and then everyone's trading, you know, their Telegram IDs, whatever. And it made me realize the crypto people don't realize how superior Discord is to Telegram. Like, <laughs> it's not even close. Telegram's total crap, like actual mm-hmm. total crap compared to Discord. Uh, so much better. But the I, I say I tell this story because it's also like fun, what I confirmed at this conference is the crypto people don't understand gaming even the ones building play to earn companies, even the ones claiming to be building games, many of them weren't, e- I was shocked, weren't even gamers, right? Like I would talk about my experience with world of Warcraft and I would sort of get glossed over looks like um, maybe that's just because it's a, an old game, but let um, me
1: say more about Activision Blizzard and the state <laughs> yeah. of Warcraft. but yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but, and I said this on the panel, which is, there is no more target rich environment for crypto companies than gamers, but there is no industry failing more spectacularly at reaching gamers than crypto companies like you. They have the greatest opportunity, but are failing the, in the most spectacular way. And, and and it's interesting to see if we can bridge this gap, right? Like make make making crypto fun because there's nothing much about crypto that's very fun, actually like when you break it down. Um, so it was interesting. That oh, was my like big a, takeaway.
1: It's like a payments encryption technology at its heart. <laughs> it's, so like there really is generally no reason why it should be fun. Um, but just to drill down on that, because I'm curious and maybe this gets to a lot of what we talk about generally, but who who's to blame for what you just said? Because I think you're spot on in terms of like it has the most upside, but yet it's failing the most spectacularly. In, in your opinion, is that the gamers to blame or is that um, the crypto people?
0: the crypto people, right? Cause it's not, it's not hard. Like reaching gamers is not hard. If, if you know how to get to them and you know how to talk to them and you know, right. Like the, the, as long as you're, you're getting to them in the right way, they will be responsive. I, I think it's just crypto people that like any other industry that's growing at the pace, like there's nothing growing at the pace of this, of the, the crypto industry. And so it's, it's very insular, right? Like all this amazingness is happening in their world. Why really look outside of it today when you're so focused on the boom happening sort of right under your feet? I think the point I made was, you know, there's 180 million people with crypto wallets today, but 3 billion gamers. So, like, you're, we're still an order of magnitude away from, you know, reaching the, the real, the mother load, the, the, the mass mm-hmm. adoption. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's crypto's fault, but I, I think we're, we're closer in that I didn't get resistance this time. Cause I've said this before publicly, and this is the first time where I got a lot of, Hey, you know, you, you're right. And as opposed to like, no, well, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Like yeah. uh, I have been booed before for these, saying these kinds of things. Uh, I did not get booed this time. And in fact, one of the most interesting people I met at the whole conference was the chairman of Deltech. uh Tech was one of the big sponsors. Their bank based in the Bahamas, more B2B, but very much focused on crypto. They were the other big sponsor other than FTX. And the chairman, 72-year-old guy, looks 50, acts 50, like 20, uh, incredibly young at heart. And you know, one of the things he said on stage was, Like, and he was the inventor of Inspector Gadget. That's the other really cool part. He actually invented Inspector Gadget. Um, and he was, he, his whole thing was like, I, why isn't banking fun? Like, just because something has to be serious doesn't mean it can't be fun. So he really resonated with my whole idea that the future should be fun, right? That everything should be gamified, that gaming should be the dominant form of entertainment and leisure and all these kinds of good things. And, um, I loved his take that right even something as boring as banking we should be able to make it fun we have the, the technologies we have the capabilities to do all of this um, I, I, like I thought that, that was eye opening I,
1: like I just have one one more question before we yep. get to the episode so we talk a lot about on this show um, you know the metaverse the events in the metaverse what do you prefer with that conference in the metaverse or that conference in the Bahamas <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> to, to be honest, for this one, I actually would have preferred the Metaverse. To really? be very honest.
1: In the Bahamas? Wow. I the did not food see that coming.
0: was horrible. It was horrible. Don't even get me started on that. It was horrible. like Atlantis. It's a I know, it's a but resort. it was horrific. It was, it was really bad. Boston was so much better in terms of food. Wow. Hard um, to beat Mastros. <laughs> but you know, the I you asked a good question, Jeff, because I actually think, had they done it in the Metaverse? I'm, 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 this is spitballing, right? This is me making guess. I would guess 50% of the people at that conference would not have known how to attend. The interest, the that you have like a ton of people there who are deep technical crypto knowledge, right. But sort of disconnected from the business and the marketing. And then you had a lot of business who realized the opportunity, but don't understand anything about the, the sort of the, the, the technical side of it, like nothing. Right. But this is about, you know, marketing the next token or like what NFTs they have in their wallet. But beyond that, probably know nothing uh, or, or about the technical side of it or don't even own a PC, probably powerful enough to get them into the metaverse. So yeah. um, I think I think they would lose half their attendance. It, w- it was nice being in person and obviously nice nice weather makes a, a big difference. But it could have been in Florida or something, if you ask me, or Dubai. Um, so we'll see. Good question, though. Um, you want to talk about news this week? Because there was, there was a good amount of news that okay. I think we should dive we into. Do. That's
1: what we do around here. I so think that's what
0: we do usually. around here. That's why people tune in. Um, let's talk about TikTok and Byte Dance Because there was this article and, and headline, you know, super catchy here. TikTok parent ByteDance follows Meta's footsteps down risky path toward the metaverse. Um. And, and so what they're saying is ByteDance, $58 billion in revenue in 2021, they're assembling a Metaverse hardware, content, software, and platform lineup similar to Meta. So, you know, Meta said they were going to spend, what, $10 billion a year? And they, they did yeah. report a $10 billion loss uh, for 2021 for Metaverse investment. It seems ByteDance going down this path and betting big billions and billions of dollars on the Metaverse. And that's going to include all these things: hardware, software, platform, content, etc. Um, I guess I'm curious what do you think of a company like ByteDance following Meta's footsteps, right? Are they is the, is being a fast follower here the right strategy in your mind? First question. And second question: um, is it interesting to you that it's ByteDance and not, for example, like a Tencent, if we're talking about Chinese companies? So.
1: On the second one, I'm not sure. I definitely want to hear your opinion. On the first one, I think it, it does make sense because it, it, China is is going to probably operate as its own animal, as it does, you know, with gaming, with internet in general. So, like, I, I do think you're going to have like a China-specific metaverse. So normally, you know, you don't necessarily want to follow against a, a, a massive company like Facebook. Not that I mean, ByteDance actually is probably fairly equivalent in in market cap or size. Um, so they have the, the, the muscle and the heft to go up against the Facebook. But usually you don't want to follow Facebook and someone who's a founder-owned company and has basically said they're willing to spend whatever it takes to uh, you know, to, to build this vision. But given the China angle, I actually think it makes sense. Um, in terms of ByteDance versus um, Tencent, I would imagine Tencent is doing something similar. You know, I know that they, they obviously have a ma- massive cloud infrastructure play. They're huge in gaming. We, we Clearly know that they don't necessarily have the hardware piece, so maybe that's where we want to to drill into. Like, is the hardware piece necessary? Um, I guess I'll I'll kind of posit that to you, and then maybe give you the, the hit you the ball in terms of Tencent versus ByteDance. If you have any thoughts,
0: I mean that is interesting, right? And and you see here, ByteDance bought uh, this VR headset maker Pico, so ByteDance has a hardware play. Tencent does not, um, so that that is an interesting difference. One other common thread is the two companies we're talking about are social media platforms first and foremost, right? ByteDance with TikTok, Meta with Facebook, Um, and it's interesting that the two who who are essentially committing billions to building a metaverse publicly are social media platforms, not gaming companies, right? Like I I've said many times that I believe ultimately the metaverse or metaverses will evolve out of gaming. Now, that could be gaming companies or it could not be. But do you think it's interesting that we're seeing two big social media platforms first, call it, before billions of investments from gaming companies? Because the gaming companies have talked about it, right? But they've not said we're spending billions of dollars.
1: I mean, that could be because almost no other gaming company is big enough to throw that kind of muscle around besides Tencent. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't want to. Move stories too quickly, but the other, one of the other stories we're going to talk about today is Epic. Um, in the, and, and they definitely are a gaming company, and they are pretty open about kind of they were they were early talking about the metaverse. So I, I don't know that's perfectly accurate to say, hey, no gaming companies are leading the way, you know, in, in, in sort of investing in the metaverse. But I do think it's an interesting distinction that two of the ones that have stuck their neck out maybe the most are social media companies. Um, maybe it says something about where social media is and where that they think that the growth is coming. Right. Like there's not going to be another four billion people joining social media. But the next Internet or, you know, the metaverse, you will see that growth. Like it's obviously, you know, inning one versus social media, which was spurned by the growth of mobile. The mobile Internet is probably an inning six or seven, maybe to use the baseball parlance.
0: You know, it sort of confirms that this ultimate convergence between gaming and social media is going to happen. And we may call it a metaverse, but like that, this convergence has to happen for these billions of dollars of investment to pay off, basically. Right? Like, that social media needs to become gaming and gaming needs to become social media, essentially. And
1: just so I understand when you said, what do you mean by social? You mean like advertising supported, place where people user generated content, like a platform. Basically, I guess as out now, I'm thinking about defining it, where people
0: hang out and socialize fundamentally whether that's okay. a one-to-many okay. broadcast platform or a many, like, it doesn't matter if it's Facebook or Twitter or TikTok, like, a people place where people aggregate and connect with other people over okay. whatever. Uh, like, we're finally seeing... The metaverse may bring about that convergence that we gaming people have been talking about for years now, right? World of Warcraft, the greatest social media platform ever, mm-hmm. or, you know, all my friends in 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 war in uh, war zone or pub g or whatever right like the the it feels like this convergence is being accelerated by at least the word metaverse i agree with that um you, you mentioned the epic game story I'll, I'll bring it up now might as well um and oh oops, not this one um this one and this is um the headline here is fortnite maker epic games made failed Funding bid ahead of $2 billion cash raise. So um, (laughs) the the first sentence I like, it says, Wall Street may finally be getting over its Fortnite addiction. Um, They raised $2 billion from Sony and Kirkby. Kirkby owns Lego, so it's Sony and Lego. Values the business at $31.5 billion, which was slightly higher than the round they closed in April of 2021 at $28.7 billion. So a tiny uptick in valuation. Uh, and they raised two billion dollars. Now, supposedly, they failed. They had gone out with the idea of doing an offer, tender offer through Nasdaq, uh, like a private exchange, for to sell shares at a forty-two billion dollar valuation, which basically fell through. There were crickets. No one, no one wanted to buy at forty-two billion. Um, I'm curious what you make of this, and and how this ties into potentially. Epic slash Fortnite's metaverse ambitions, Jeff. Like, how do you read into this story?
1: Yeah, I mean, we I guess we had covered a little bit the the raise and kind of a couple weeks ago what we thought about the valuation. Like, I think flat. If you look at relative to what the public market uh, comps have done over the last year, is actually like a kind of a win. It probably doesn't feel that way when you're raising private money, but given the backdrop of how Fortnite is done, which is meh, not that great. And then um, the Apple ver- the Apple sort of um, battle, which actually is referenced here in the article uh, as being a key problem, according to insiders, um, which I'll have to give you credit, the Paul, the prophet uh, was <laughs> right, because this was something that Paul said, you know, for really the last year, basically, that their eye, Epic's eye was off the ball and, and you know, the Apple fight was, was going to hurt them in terms of valuation and just investor perspective. So um, kudos, kudos to you for calling that. But but to be honest, I think the flat is actually pretty good. So I think this is a little bit of a click clickbaity article from the post because um, I, I don't think that it's a super bad outcome to raise money at a flat valuation when you look at just what's gone on more in the broader market uh, in general.
0: Jeff, can you put this in context for our listeners in your mind? Like, we we, we Meta's burning 10 billion a year on Metaverse, right? Byte dance potentially could end up burning same amount if they're you know following a similar strategy there, there wasn't a number on that if when epic's raising two billion you know does this and and arguably they probably won't raise for at least another year right like um do you see it as as I, I can't think of a better term but like is metaverse now a rich man's game right is it like only for people companies that can blow tens of billions? you know, over 10 years and everyone else may get left behind or, or in, is Epic still a real player in your mind?
1: I think Epic's definitely still a real player, but you do bring up a great point. And I actually recall when Activision sold to Microsoft, like in the, in the ensuing interviews after that, um, Bobby Kodak talked a lot about how just it, pretty much exactly what you just paraphrased uh, that it's really expensive to be in kind of this metaverse race. Uh, talent is is really expensive as well, so they didn't really feel like they could compete as a standalone company. Uh, that is Activision Blizzard. So, you know, if if it applies for Activision Blizzard with a market cap of, you know, I think they were like 60 billion, it probably applies also to Epic with with kind of this mid uh, 32 billion dollar valuation. So it'll be interesting to see because clearly we know Tim Sweeney has ambitions of the metaverse. I personally think they're probably as far along as anyone currently, if not. Really, the furthest along. So, you know, it, it feels a little bit like maybe they're playing two different games, where Facebook is trying to build or own the the physical hardware of the metaverse, whereas maybe Epic is trying to own the software. Although Facebook is clearly trying to own both, um, but but Epic does not have a hardware play. So maybe you could argue that Epic doesn't believe that the hardware is going to be the essential part of it. So if you look at just the software platform and the dev- and the tools, they may be actually investing dollar for dollar the same amount. Meta may just be focusing more on like servers and infrastructure that maybe Epic feels is a little going to be a little bit more commoditized. Uh,
0: just one last question on this: What does this do? Well, like, how do you think about Epic IPO now with news like this? Like hurt, help? Do you think they're going to go public anytime in the next year? I, I still think
1: I, I think almost it means well. I was going to say it means they're more likely to go public, but I, probably probably not the case. I w- I would say it, it doesn't. Heard it much at all? Honestly, um, again, because I, I get you I think you really just have to look at it in the context of what you know the other gaming companies have done. Like Take Two is probably down you know 30 percent plus this year. EA similar, Ubisoft prior to the takeover rumors have been down you know massively. Activision if they hadn't gotten the Activision or the Microsoft bid, I, I imagine their stock would have been down sixty percent kind of year over year. So I, I don't think if we if if the sort of market like dynamics and economy turn around in the next 6 months and Fortnite sort of gets its its footing the Unreal Engine 5 comes out and and looks pretty good like i, I think they're going to be a super hot IPO come you know early next fall or or, or kind of next
0: year interesting and any thoughts on valuation at that point crystal ball the juice
1: uh higher i, guess. Higher. I think i think I, yeah i think i
0: think people yeah
1: okay although it totally depends on Will on we be talking we
0: about it like, will will it go public at a valuation higher than whatever Roblox is trading at, at that point?
1: I think it will. I think the question will be whether it's higher than EA. I think that's that's like where the bogey Interesting. is. Interesting. Which is not far off. I think EA is in the 40s, maybe. So I think, you know, that'll be the question. EA will be at a different market cap, obviously, at that point. You know, could be higher, could be lower. But that's, that's sort of the bogey that they're playing. But, okay.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where... Uh, you know, it feels a little bit like the private round here was done instead of an IPO, right? Like clearly the IPO markets have not been that great. It's not, it's not the best time. You, no one's going to go public right now unless you absolutely have to. Uh, so this feels like a, a bit of a rushed round. We kind of glossed over the Sony and Lego involvement, right? Uh, if that, I've heard a lot of arguments and I heard this a lot at Crypto Bahamas, like people thinking the Lego thing makes this, the most obvious greatest metaverse play ever um, I mean I'm not not convinced Um LEGO- we touched on this last
1: episode but I, I, I'm pretty bullish on it or maybe it was the live stream we, we talked about this because uh, um, that raise was a few weeks ago but I, I do think I'm pretty bullish on that just in terms of attracting a younger audience if you could build a Lego metaverse like these Lego games have done incredibly well and they attract a younger audience so I, I'm I'd be fairly caught.
0: Well, I am fairly positive about it. Um, yeah, I mean, time will tell. We'll see. Uh, the Fortnite still has to get a bit a bit better in terms of attracting like real developers to the platform. Uh, you know, there was an article. Uh, we're not going to cover it, but there was an article this week. A conversation with, uh, if you're watching, I'll I'll bring it up on the screen here. Conversation with Tim Sweeney, and you know, he actually says very nice things about Roblox because I think he has to, right? I think they know they may be losing the developer game. Uh, right. Like just a random kid building something in a create a Fortnite creative mode's not the same as someone building an experience on your platform because they know they're going to make money from it. Um, yeah, and so the one, uh, sorry. the
1: one thing that I thought was interesting that I, I wasn't aware of from that article is that he said 50% of playtime on Fortnite is currently uh, third party content, which was like shockingly high. Meaning, I, I guess, like people in the creative mode, or you know, experiences built by third parties, was fifty percent of the playtime. I I, I I thought was really high.
0: I wonder. I mean, I, I believe I actually believe that I'm not that shocked by it, because if you watch anyone playing Fortnite on Twitch, it's always like, and and the creative modes aren't aren't that good, right? Like it's stupid things like, you know, doing build battles or little obstacle courses or like. The equivalent of, I don't know if you remember Counter Strike Surfing. Uh, You know, they do similar things like that. Uh, I feel like once the main game gets boring, this is what you turn to. It's the mods, it's the, you know, it's the creative modes. Um, So 50% doesn't shock me. I suspect that went down once they took out building, right? Like, because a lot of people went back to the game and played it the normal, call it normal way. Um, But. Again, if it's, not, if it's not professional developers, I'm, I'm not as impressed.
1: But wh- why do you say that? Because I feel like user, for the, to be a true metaverse, I think actually user-generated content may be more important than professional developers. And I wonder what Roblox's percentages are in terms of... Prof- I, it's, pro- it's definitely more, I think, but I don't know how much more.
0: Good question. And it's a good point, right? Is UGC more important in a metaverse than, you know, professional developers who can use your platform to build sort of more polished experiences? The answer is probably not like it's not black and white, right? It's not like you need you need probably need both. You do need both for a call it successful capital M metaverse. Mm-hmm. Um which one's more important in the early stages? I suspect the professional developers only because I don't think again, it comes back to this, like metaverse may be a rich man's game for the platforms, but even for the experiences you build on top of the platforms, you need something that's going to draw people's attention. That's going to draw them in. And it's going to keep them there for a long period of time. Not necessarily something that someone plays for three minutes and then goes on to the next thing. Um, sure. I'm not saying I think Roblox just because of the split the economic split uh that gives them gives them the advantage there not necessarily because the platform's better if anything with Unreal Engine you know epic is in a much better position to attract more professional developers directly to fortnite um mm-hmm. as a platform but chooses not to or or you know was thinking I think about he it differently. actually
1: mentioned that in the article where with Unreal Engine 5 they're gonna Open the Fortnite um, creative mode, or they'll have some tie-in with Unreal um, Editor or something like that.
0: So. Yeah, they said they're going to re- release Unreal Editor for Fortnite, so you can you anyone can build game content and deploy it into Fortnite. Which I think which that you know. could be game-changing. And I think we've talked, in fact, about you know bringing the Rocket League into Fortnite. How you know potentially that's that could be game-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so time will tell. We'll see. Um, I think. Tim has a great understanding of the technology and, and the building the platform. I, I always worry about their distraction as, as you said, but, uh, they are, they are ahead from a technology standpoint. Um, Jeff, that wraps up this week's podcast. It was a super quick e- episode flew by, um, you know, we appreciate everyone tuning in, leaving that five-star rating and review, hitting the subscribe button. Make sure you go follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Cohen, 23. That always got hot takes. Always juicing uh so you don't want to miss those and uh also i want to mention we have a bunch that's going to be under the meta business brand so i know so many of you uh, are fans now of the podcast we're going to put out a ton of the content from crypto bahamas on our socials under the meta business banner so definitely stay tuned for that look forward to uh all the stuff we did there including you know uh my my panel and uh, some of the the meetings and interesting conversations we had there so Definitely a lot to look forward to this week. And um, thank you, Jeff, as always. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget the future is fun. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere.
1: Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.